Live from the Huntington Hilltop. Coming to you from the 12 by 12 master bedroom across from the Irvine Speculum. <laughs> In the morning, Nathan Penetration. In the morning, Brian Bly. Throughout the show, I know you're going to tell me that you can hear my neighbors performing river dancing above me. So, I, Hopefully most of it's noise gated. Nobody else will hear it except for you. I know what that's like. People <laughs> live above me are... Uh, they're fucking animals. <laughs> I could use more descriptive derogatory terms, but yeah. You want to talk about de-googling or um, CarPlay in your new car? Uh, I can start talking about CarPlay stuff, I guess, first. Um, so I got a new car. I got a 2019 uh, Mazda 3 hatchback. And, uh, the, one of the things that's really nice is that they include CarPlay standard across all the models for that car. So, um, that was kind of one of the things that sold me on it because that's still like an option or a model up with a lot of other cars. And, um, I think the only other car company actually that had it standard was Volkswagen for their 2019 models. Um, and anyway, um, Overall, my experience has been pretty good with it, but I've noticed a few times it has caused the my phone to completely crash and reboot. It's happened almost once a day was on phone, average. Was your phone in the sun? No. I don't know. That. It was just on the seat. Just, I mean, it might have been in some sunlight, but it wasn't like yeah, sunlight. In, the, in the sun directly cooking it. Like It's been overcast the last four days, so it's not like it's been super hot. Um, because I got the car on on Saturday, and it's happened about once a day, once at least once a day. Wow! Um, and you're up to date. Yeah, I'm on the latest iOS. I'm I don't know how CarPlay heat. updates work. I don't. I don't know if that's issued from the manufacturer or if it's OTA. I I don't know how the the updates for CarPlay <laughs> work. Um, the other thing it's, is that I think it's video streaming. It's not streaming video, though. I'm not so certain about that. I mean, how else does it work? I think that there's a part of the computer in the car that runs it, and then part of it runs from your phone. And I think they weren't work in synchronicity. Okay, you keep talking. I'm going to find a YouTube video of somebody updating CarPlay, because I don't think such a thing exists. I think the manuf- the updates come from the car manufacturer. Manufacturer that would be really shitty. Okay. Yeah. Um, third party apps. I've f- found that they are totally unreliable. Like I use the Amazon Music app because I keep getting like free trials with that, and I never pay for it, so I just keep using it. And. Um, the app crashes constantly like it'll freeze up the whole interface like won't respond but it'll work on my phone still like i can pull my phone out and i can change a song and try to play it but the interface in carplay will freeze up and not work um what was the other thing oh messages so apparently the way carplay works across different car manufacturers is different 
some manufacturers let you see the messages like so if you're pulling up a text like if you texted me something in my car i pull it up and it's all siri like siri siri reads the message to me the only way i can reply to the message is by using siri i can't see any text in the message apparently other car companies i think bmw is one of them actually lets you see the text of the messages and you can actually respond with text oh. i know that's kind of counterintuitive because you're driving so responding while having to like cycle through letters with a dial would suck but at least you can read the messages that's one thing that's annoying to me is like i don't because a good example would be like i'm playing music and if i want to read a message i can't it has to pipe in siri reading the text to me and it dims the or lowers the volume of my the music that's playing in the background yeah so those are the only things that i've had a problem with other than that it's it's been a pretty good experience so far so far i haven't found anything about updating carplay otherwise we would have heard about like carplay os or something with a number I think 2019 is the first year that Mazda has bundled CarPlay with their their cars. Like before that, they had their whatever. Like they have this weird. I think everybody rips off Audi, like their interface, and they just try and mimic it. It's like a pseudo Audi or BMW interface that you cycle through. Um, that was standard on all their cars, and then. This, just for the 2019, they've started putting CarPlay and Android Auto in. So maybe there's some stuff they have to iron out with the Mazda CarPlay. Um, but I don't know. I don't know if it's an issue with CarPlay itself or if it's an issue with the car's version of CarPlay that it's running. When was the last time that you're certain your phone overheated in the sun? Probably at the beach. When I was left out in the sun, like on the sand. Because I've had issues where I'm listening to a podcast and using navigation with my phone on my dashboard. And it's not even that hot. It might be, it's less than 70, basically. And that little bit of sun over about 30 minutes accumulates enough heat in the case that the phone itself starts to have delayed audio and is nearly unresponsive. I don't know if I've ever had that happen before. Oh, I'm just lucky then. It's possible that there's, um, because there's all those extra processors in the phone, maybe there's certain tasks that are offloaded to different cores and they're getting, that doesn't make sense. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I I have had my phone overheat from being in the sun though, like direct okay. burning sunlight. So... I don't know, but I'll probably have more to report over the following weeks. See if it get like the problems I have with CarPlay get, get any worse. Um, but overall, I like it. iOS 13 is going to bring a, a big update to CarPlay for you. That's good. Yeah, the maps will be updated and stuff. I don't remember what all the features were in maps. I need to rewatch part of that keynote because I missed the beginning. And I wasn't able to listen to most of it. The WWDC. Yeah. What I like about CarPlay 
too, at least with its how Apple Maps works, is I don't have to have a destination plugged in. I can just pull up the Maps app and it'll show me the traffic for all the... Oh, that's my dream. Fr- ...freeways that are nearby. Like, it'll show me on the fly. Yeah, gives you foresight. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. The interface or the uh, display that they use in the Mazda is really good, too. It's super sharp, super colors are really good i've worked with some carplay displays and some cars that are absolute garbage they're like these blurry fucking uh what is it matte finish screens that are designed as like like your your input like the the way you interact with it is all touch input like in some of the other cars I've seen, like Volkswagen is a good example. The CarPlay that they have integrated into their base model cars is garbage. I looked at uh, Jetta's and GLI's, and it was just crap. So the one in the Mazda looks really good. Like it's like an eight-inch display. It's super sharp, super responsive. So, is it a touchscreen? No. And the one you're describing that was a piece of shit. It sounds like it was a Volkswagen resistive? was it was a touchscreen in the Volkswagen. Like one of those resistive touchscreens, the or the capacitive uh, ones that you have to push yeah. on. Yeah, it was like you. It it just it was blurry and shitty, and it had a matte finish on the display. Yeah, the iPhone and iPad has totally spoiled us. When you try to use any like. Uh, maybe some bank touch terminal or something, and they use those. Is it capacitive or resistive? What's I don't know what the definition is. It's one of the screens where you have to push the thin film of that matte cover over the screen. Okay. You, know, that, you have to like push into it. That sounds like that might be what it is. Yeah, there's no multi-input support. It's just bad. It's That's kind of what the original Android OS was like. Yeah. So uh, as far as the car goes, I really like it. It's uh, it's not as fast as my GTI, but it still pulls itself along reasonably quickly. Uh, it's really comfortable, and I like the layout of the dash and everything. Um, build quality is really good. What happened to your VW? Still got it. I got two cars now. But what prompted this? Did uh, something happen to it? It's high in mileage. Uh, it needs a d- new drive belt. Um, it needs a bunch of other maintenance that I just don't want to spend the money on right now. And I'm tired of driving a stick shift in morning traffic every day. It's just a pain in the ass. Um, and it was time to get something new. I've had it for 12 years. It's been paid off for six years, or almost seven years now, and uh, I think what I'm gonna do, I'm gonna, I I mean, I got a couple options. One, I was thinking I could uh, get the timing belt done on it. That's like a thousand dollar job to get it done at like a German place. Um, if I take it to some Mexican in Santa Ana, a, a shop there, I could probably get it done for like 700. So I'm evaluating whether I replace, cause that's the most immediate thing. The timing belt is the most important because 
or I should say the drive belt, because if that breaks, if that snaps when I'm driving it around, your engine's blown. Like that's what keeps all of the mechanical internals in sync. Like the the pistons, the cams, the drive shaft, like all of that is connected through the drive belt. So um, that would be the first thing I need to replace. And then all the other stuff is secondary. And so I'm thinking I can maybe keep the car slowly, kind of like piecemeal, do that stuff over time. And then I'll have a car that I can, because I still enjoy driving my GTI around. It's just that it's not reliable with a commute. And if I want to drive anywhere, like my sister lives in Arizona now, if I ever wanted to drive out there to visit her, that car is just, it's not, I'd rather have the peace of mind of having something that I know that could get me there and back without any problems. So I could use that to kind of just fuck around with on weekends. Maybe once or twice a week, I could drive it to work instead of my Mazda and it's an asset. So, I mean, I could, if something happened that I needed money quickly, I could sell it private party and get more than I would have ever gotten for it in a trade in. So that, that was kind of my mentality going into the, into the Mazda because the Mazda I got for zero down. I didn't have to put anything down. Um, my payments on her around like three fifty a month. So, and it takes regular gas, whereas my GTI doesn't I think gas prices are just going to keep increasing in this state. So it's, you know, it's, and where I live, I can kind of, I could park it really wherever I want without worrying about it getting towed away because they don't really check here. So I have a designated parking spot that I park my Mazda in, and then I can just move the GTI around every couple days and not have to worry about it. So I have two cars. Cool. Yeah. Really, it came down to between the Mazda and the Alfa Romeo. The Alfa Romeo, the guy that I was communicating with at the dealership that was trying to get me a deal on it, it just seemed disinterested. And I was also thinking, it's not a good sign if the only Alfa Romeo dealership in Orange County is in Anaheim Hills. And they have like a very small fleet and they don't have any rental cars if there's problems because Alfa Romeos are notorious for maintenance issues. Oh man. As with any car. So I'm thinking like if I had this thing and it was my only car, like I didn't have my GTI anymore and I had to like take this thing in for maintenance on the 91 sitting in that fucking traffic, it would just be horrible. I would just be regretting it constantly. So, um, I went with a more uh, conservative and logical choice. They could go out of business too. That dealership. Yeah. Well, the one there was one in um, Costa Mesa that already went out of business. That was apparently so... they're not selling well. That would be so bad. Yeah. And what do I do about me? It's like, even if they included maintenance for a year, which I think they did on the offer mail, it's like, why? I like, I, I wouldn't want to have to drive it around there or drive it up there every time, you know, it would just be like, why bother? If I lived in LA, maybe because I think they have like two or three dealerships in LA, 
But in Orange County, they only have one, so it's, just, it's not worth dealing with the hassle. Oh, speaking of dealing with hassles, totally new topic. Here's yeah. look at this uh, this video. It's a GE light bulb. It's a so-called smart light bulb, and this is the reset procedure for it. Um, for at least five seconds. Then turn on the bulb for eight seconds. What's with the music? Okay, so that's still on. drums in the background. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's gotta have the Jamaican <laughs> thing. It goes on for sixty-five <laughs> seconds, and this is how it ends. For two seconds, and then turn it on one last time. <laughs> the bulb will flash on and off three times to show that the reset was successful. If it doesn't, your bulb may be running on an older version of firmware. What? You will need to try the second factory <laughs> reset process, which is designed for C by GE bulbs with this package. Fuck that. Things are becoming oh. too complicated. <laughs> <laughs> oh, speaking of HomeKit, okay, this has happened yesterday. I was going to actually uh, message you about it today because I was going to ask you if the same thing happened to you. I didn't know if it was a HomeKit issue or if it's just pertaining to like my setup here. Two out of three of my HomeKit enabled devices reset themselves. Have you ever had that issue happen? No. Yeah. Have I you go into my bathroom, the firmware? I go into my bathroom, I turn on the lights, and then they're all blinking like it's trying to set up again. Like it was turned on for the first time? Yeah. Or if you turn them on and off like five times, I think it is, I think and then it resets them. Four or five, yeah. Like some yeah. asshole comes in and just starts flickering your, uh, what, how do you say, Sylvania, yeah. so Sylvania I, lights on and yeah, off? Yeah, so I'm, I'm going to, I'm getting ready for work, and it, my entire room is dark. I purposely, <laughs> I purposely turn down the, the brightness settings on those lights for when I go into the bathroom, and I turn them on, and it's like the fucking, like, like the, the rays of the sun just blinding my <laughs> eyes for the first time of the day. It's ruined my whole fucking morning. Did you notice that when we received those lights that there's warnings on it about radiation? No. So I, I, yeah. I know there's Bluetooth in them, so there's EMFs, but... No, no, no. The warning about radiation, at least for my lights, maybe not for yours, um, I guess it's about the infrared. So, or, or UV, there's UV or something coming off the, the LED lights. I don't, I don't know. I think it's, I think it's UV, but how much? I don't think it's enough because. Why is there a warning? If you're sensitive. If you, what am I doing to my eyes? Am I slowly cooking them? Are they going to, am I just going to wake up one day and they're just, they're fucking milky like a cooked egg? going to have a, what is it called? A cataract. A or cataracts, yeah. Or glaucoma. Um, I those those uh, Sylvania bulbs. I've had to replace three of them already. I just their warranty re- process. I had to replace two more. Their warranty process is so funny. You email them and you just give them the serial number off the 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 bulb, and they don't. They just instantly issue a replacement. You don't even have to send the old ones back. It, don't abuse it, though. We shouldn't even be talking about this on the show. They're extremely they accommodating. I, but still, 
if you abuse it, then they're never going to, it's just going to become more of a hassle for us. Well, their warranty process, the reason why it's notable is because any because other need it. fucking manufacturer that you go through for any electronic device is going to have an RMA form that you fill out. Yeah. These guys, for some reason, you just email their support and then they respond to you and then they send you a replacement. They're I mean, excellent. it is easier. I, I, I agree that it's easier. It's just odd that that's. Yeah. It's ripe for abuse. So don't. We shouldn't even be talking about it because these guys are awesome. They're awesome funny because that they of that. It, well, it's funny that they included two-year warranty on these bulbs when they don't even last like four oh. or five months. <laughs> they can't. We're not yeah. abusing it if we're no, replacing we're it under the warranty term. You know, like. Oh, man. It's only two years, really? Two years is actually really good. Where'd you get that number? It costs $15 or 14 bucks. I looked on the on the box. The ones you gave me that oh. tells you the warranty info oh. on it. I got a box around here somewhere. Uh, okay, I'm looking. At, I have the Smart Plus. There's a bunch of small print on the back. Warnings door. and cautions inside. Shit. <clears throat> I'm going to have like soft boiled eyes. <laughs> I'm going to be like that. Um, Rick and Morty guy, that character, Ants in My Eyes, Larry. I think my audio is cutting out. Uh, I don't know. I don't know where the... Uh, I see the warnings. Wow, they really go out of their way to display the warnings now. Um, I don't see the warranty stuff, though. Is the audio working? Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Uh, okay. You hear me? Yeah. Okay. Uh, you want to talk about degoogling? Sure. Oh, by the way, that link that I'll put in the show notes for that ridiculous, it's a three minute video. Uh, the video is well done in the sense that if you were to follow it, follow the directions, you would reset your light bulbs on the first try because it's done well compared to written directions. But that, uh, that link was posted by Greg Slepak, the guy that I interviewed on Frontier episode 101 on uh I think lobsters the news site to replace hacker news one that's not owned by mm. a media company all right de-googling uh i what made me think of this was this kind of long video that you probably can't watch while i'm talking to you but uh it's, it's a guy who's talking about his process of trying to publish his show and how Google keeps randomly breaking features or breaking parts of their services, not just breaking parts of the services in other browsers. They're completely disabling the use of the other browsers. So they'll restrict uh, people to just using Chrome because they'll block Edge or they'll block Firefox. Well, that's bullshit. Yeah. It's very Microsoft of them. Because that's how it was back in the days with Internet Explorer. Internet Google's going to get, get fucked like Microsoft did in the 90s. Yeah, maybe. It's only a recent are. thing. I'm totally on board with No Agenda's theory with that, how the media companies are trying to take them down. Because they're eating their lunch. 
Yeah, they are. Well, I'm all for a little more federation and less concentration in the Google platforms. So that's why I wanted to bring up um, the, uh, the fact that there's going to be a Firefox premium service. I don't know what it will entail, but it looks like they're rebranding a bunch of things so that there's some special premium version of their browser. Maybe it'll have a VPN. But right now they've built in a bunch of tracking protections like Brave. Because Brave's a great browser, but that's also built on Chrome, which is which is fine. It's pretty stripped of the Google stuff. The Googliness has been removed, but the browser is very functional. And I found out today that there's basically no Flash left on the internet. And when I went to try to play the uh, the old Loveline soundboard, the it was a talk radio show in LA, and like the early 2000s and 90s um i couldn't play most of it these great sound effects from dr drew like um like this dr drew the guy who took money from allegedly took money from GlaxoSmithKline. you have a small penis you fag yeah yeah that's you- a great a great soundboard but i'm a little afraid to play it any of his <sighs> sound effects at least because um of the litigious things that he's discussed on his podcast. He doesn't like people calling yeah. him names. From what I've heard. But there's so much yeah. gold in here. Jizz Gusling? He, uh... He's gay. He's an interesting guy. You can hear those sound effects, right? Not right now, no. Oh, man. Are you on Decenter yet? No, I've been... I'm still using Brave. I don't think I'm going to use the center. The integrated chat feature that you would have to install as an extension separately in other browsers is nice. Do you use it? I use it on like YouTube videos and stuff like that. Um, But your posts are, they're public. (sighs) I don't see the value in that. No, because I can filter out if it's something that I'm watching that is polarizing, then I can filter out. Pretty much anybody that's on the center is going to have a libertarian viewpoint like I do. So that's nice. It is kind of like an echo chamber, but it's nice to filter out all the fags. There's, um, I just have a problem with the post being public. There's not a lot of value in that for me. Yeah, but what are you worried about? Nothing. I just, I don't want to talk to people. You don't, so you don't like the social aspect of it then? No. I don't use Twitter. Why would I use? Well, it's, it's, they're like message boards, basically. So if you don't like message boards, then you're not going to like any chat thread. Yeah, I don't really use message boards except for maybe to ask for help with something. But I, I've been using um, IRC for some of that. And that's been a while though. So I've been using matrix recently. So I use the riot app because I made, um, a Libram account. They offer a VPN mail and, uh, like a chat and, um, what's that? Oh, Mastodon, a Mastodon service, which is a rebranded, 
open source white labeled thing. And Riot is one of those apps. So the, they rebranded uh, the Riot Matrix app. Matrix, I guess, is the protocol. That's the site that got hacked. We discussed it once. They got compromised. Somebody took over their SSH agent forwarding or something and then logged into their uh, their issue tracker and submitted bug reports for all their vulnerabilities using the dev's credentials. Anyway, the chat platform, it's like a modern-day store-and-forward IRC with a bunch of built-in encryption. So it's pretty cool. It would be useful if I didn't already use something like Signal for having conversations with people. Matrix would be a little more difficult for those people to join. But it's pretty powerful... There's a bunch of uh, sysadmin and DevOps infosec groups that I'm in so I can talk to people. Because the system's federated, you can have these, you can join all these chat rooms just like IRC and still be using somebody else's service. What was the, um, uh, I don't know if it's relevant to even ask what it, is but the matrix thing I, I forgot about that what was the relevance of that matrix is the protocol that the uh librem service adopted so they there's a lot of the branding's confusing because it's an open source project but there's an application called riot it uses the matrix protocol for this modern irc platform that's the matrix protocol Okay. So when I used Librem, I'm actually using Riot to join these IRC chat rooms, for uh, lack of a better word. And that's my... Uh, it's a tangent. Basically, if we get back to the Google, de-Googling thing, you ended up going with ProtonMail. Yeah, because I want to get off Gmail. Yeah, rather than like the Librem mail service, which was, of course, another uh, rebranded third-party service. And then I ended up okay. going with uh, the helm. Which yeah, you got the helm before I I got on Proton Mail. Yeah, and I kind of would like the Proton Mail app. I wish that they supported normal SMTP in their app because their built-in uh, GPG encryption support is really awesome. And then it uh, manages your keyring in there and stuff. It seems like a really slick product. But I am kind of happy that I have the helm. But I did have this weird outage today. It said it was offline. I was able to connect to the internet and do my shit like normal. But I was able to... It eventually came back up. But I was able to have a live chat session in the app. And then send the device logs to their chat people. And maybe, I don't know, they'll get back to me tomorrow or something. Well, the other problem with the Helm, as with any problem of running anything on site, is if you have a power outage or an internet outage, you don't have mail. Yep. They do run the relay service for you, though. So technically, you are trusting them to relay your mail and to actually deliver the mail, technically, because uh, you can't exactly email from a residential IP address because most ISPs will block 
any type of uh, SMTP. Well, no, they'll block most mail servers. And a lot of mail servers won't trust mail coming from a residential IP because it's generally spam. So they end up using a, uh, they set up some remailer in AWS. Uh, it's an EC2 instance that just ingests your mail and then waits for your server to respond that it's available and then dumps it into your server and you're hoping it deletes it. Yeah. But that way they, you don't have to deal with firewall issues and they have the trusted IP address that your email goes through. What, I mean, that's the one that has the reputation. So your domain right. is whitelisted. It took a couple of emails before Google would let my emails through. They would block them all. Mm-hmm. So well, I set up some alerts to go through it. Um, so you're... Uh, you're running your own uh domain with your Helm, right? Yep, I have like ten domain names that I can email out of. Okay. They all point back to whatever the mail server is it's associated with the Helm. There's an initial domain name that you assign to your Helm, and then that is your actual SMTP server. So you may email from frothymix.info, but your mail server is actually whatever that initial domain name was that you attached. And I think okay. you could do the same thing with ProtonMail. I think you can add more domains and you can add aliases. You can, but you got to pay for their premium plan because the plus lets you only use one domain. You can use uh, okay. aliases, but you can't uh, actually mail from more than one domain. What about more than one user? I think it's only one user too, the plus. That's how they... That's how they sweeten the deal. Yeah. Like that that's how they make it cheap enough that it's worth going with for people like me. Because uh, if you need more than one user or more than one domain, then you gotta go to their premium model and the pricing gets it's way different. It's I think it's like three times the price. Do they limit your aliases? I don't know. Cause if they don't, I would suggest maybe they they let you do wildcards which would be great or uh, not wild card a uh, catch-all and then catch-all you have to pay for extra uh, it's not <laughs> part of my plan yep okay so i have I, a catch-all every time you make yeah. an account somewhere you use the service oh, that'd name. be so nice to use with yeah. my other accounts a service but, name at your domain name yeah and then you know exactly who to block i just don't want to pay 20 dollars a month for no. email no you don't and, need to you could uh, manually make aliases. No, but to use a catch-all, I'm saying you got to have their premium plan, which yeah. is like 20 bucks a month. That's fine. You don't need it. You could make aliases for most services or just split them up into three different access levels or con- conceptual levels or topics or something and then assign all your accounts to that because you're not actually emailing from those those addresses. You just need to be able to receive the password reset email. So the email address you use associated with that account is arbitrary. Okay. Because you're just waiting for that account to get breached. Then that email gets out. Then you just block it 
remove the alias. You no longer receive email there. And then change to a new address. Create a new alias. It's handy. Also, your alias could be a way shorter name. I know you have a long so, username. You, but the Proton Mail account that you're using currently, that's a, just a free plan, right? Yeah. I don't think... I never even gave you my Proton Mail address. I just created an account and uh, I used the interface to figure out how it worked so I could tell you how to add my key. You're actually emailing my Gmail account. Because I use Gmail. I thought I was emailing your real sense account. Yeah, that's the one for the show. Oh, I see. You're just hosting it with G Suite. Yeah. Okay. But I use uh, Thunderbird or a, I use a desktop mail client. And I use PGP because there's you can have PGP encryption in your mail client, and then I use that to encrypt the mail to you and decrypt. Well, the mail you, send you to me. can and you can't. It depends on what mail client you're using. Because if you're using Outlook, you actually have to use Proton's their what is it called? Their bridge. It's called a bridge, where it does the encryption externally from Outlook. And you set up the as um, you set up the IMAP incoming as a loopback address when you run that app on your machine. Okay, that's a good idea. That's a creative. It's totally transparent. Solution. The only thing that's annoying with it is that uh, Microsoft, every time you launch Outlook, it doesn't recognize the server info and it can't get a, certi- a certificate for it. So you have to manually allow it every time. Like, so every time I open Outlook, I get this prompt that's asking me, can I verify the certificate? And so I have to click OK on that and then it it works. Those fuckers. Well, that that makes sense for 90% of the people that actually use Outlook. That makes sense. But you really shouldn't be using Outlook. Outlook in itself as a... uh, well, the thing with Outlook is it's designed inherently to work with Exchange, like f- entirely. That's what it's for. So you have instant access to your contacts, calendars. Uh, there's certain features in Outlook that you can't use in the web version, um, such as managing permissions for contacts and calendars. Like if you've got a company or like a family calendar or something like that, that you need to have delegated permissions to other users for to create and manage events or have access to your contacts, uh, your contact list, um, granular things like that. The only way you can set the permissions for that is through the desktop client. You can't do it through the web app. So as far as exchange integration, Outlook is a pretty good app. Um, But if you're using IMAP, it's kind of pointless. I mean, there is, you can, you can sync contacts and things like that too through, through IMAP, but it's not like, there's some limitation to IMAP. I don't remember what it is. Like it, IMAP's uh, just mail. No, no, no. But, but if you compare IMAP to, uh, exchange or even if you compare it to pop like pop has limitations imap has limitations i don't think anybody uses pop 
It is purely a format for downloading mail from a server. You'd be surprised if there's people who still use POP because they're well, still on fucking Yahoo Mail and <sighs> or AOL Mail and POP is really the only thing that works because IMAP doesn't retrieve their mail for some reason. It'll have issues. Uh, it's all on the provider's end. It's not on the user end usually when those issues happen. I actually do have a use actually for a pop. better example is Cox. Cox IMAP is garbage. That we have clients that use Cox IMAP, and it craps out all the time. Like for it, people will lose mail. Like they won't get mail for like several days at a time, and it'll be like some weird. Uh, it's either an authentication issue, like it can't authenticate with their servers, so like it'll keep prompting for their credentials. They'll enter their credentials. It'll be the right password and username, but it won't authenticate. And then you'll try again like two hours later and then it'll work. But all the mail that they would have gotten in that two hour span isn't there. It doesn't sync up. <laughs> Why are yeah. they using ISP email? Because they're idiots and they think I have to convince some of our clients that they are not paying for email when they have Cox webmail. They are paying for their service they're paying for the isp service you know they're paying for access to the internet they're just getting a free cox webmail account with it yeah and so they're like oh like it's like news to them because they think they can call someone at cox and bitch and moan about their email not working and they're gonna give a shit i'm like no you're just getting that that's like a complimentary thing they're giving you with the service that you're getting yeah, that was a thing that they gave away in the 90s. They just still do it. It's like yep. news groups. The Cox had a news group server until... Co- we Cox talked about it on the show. Garbage. Cox is one of the worst, if not the worst, ISPs. And I'm not even kidding. Five They're years horrible. Ago, didn't they recently deprecate it? We used to use their news groups on the show. I, yeah, I think they... Or maybe they deprecated access. it right before. I think they blocked access to something. Or, or yeah, like, I think they got rid of all alt bins or something yeah binaries yeah they fucked anyone over that was using news groups i think i was using their servers for a while they were really slow yes really slow yeah really cox is horrible they're like they're the definition of like a geographic monopoly that can just fuck over their customer base at any moment and have no repercussions I never thought Even, they were that bad until they in, implemented uh, bandwidth limits. They're just terrible. They have outages all the time. Even their business connections, which are supposed to be guaranteed uptime, they have outages. Hey, we're talking and on one no right accountability. Now. I've been monitoring this one for years, so I could tell you exactly what the uptime is. I really don't like them. I like Borderline. I think Cox... Well... I don't want to say they're worse than AT&T, but they're about on AT&T's level, honestly. I they're pretty just, bad. You're just triggered by them. <laughs> they suck. I was with Time Warner Cable for six years. Time Warner Cable sucks ass too, but they didn't have the outages that Cox had. I had like pretty much like 99% uptime when I was with Time Warner Cable. Pretty much they all s- of the servers you've ever that we that we've ever used have been on Cox. Just FYI, a little data point for you. Okay, well, yeah, I don't know. I think they're shit. 
Maybe so, the customers have had uh, bad modems. I had a bad modem for a while. Every time I would upload something, the modem would crash and I'd disconnect from the internet. We have a client in uh, Newport Beach, or like they're on the Newport Beach Laguna Beach border, Crystal Cove, that has Cox uh, come blast. I mean, Giga Blast. <laughs> it's Ass Blast. Um, yeah, Ass Blast. They Ass Blast for Giga and Blast. They if have you go outages, over a terabyte. They're gonna smoke your ass. They have outages once a week. Burning, burning rim job. They have reliable outages once a week. Rusty trombone. So, and they're paying $130 a month for that shit service. Where the one Google product that I will probably never relinquish, Google Fiber, is half the price and I've had zero outages. I have a lot of outages in the current ISP, which I will not name. I'm running all my stuff through my Proton VPN right now. The only time I turn it off is when I'm playing games. Yeah, but when I'm browsing the web and uh, downloading stuff, I don't care. I'll take the speed. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I was making fun of you because Google's going to know whether you like blondes or brunettes. (laughs) (laughs) Or Asians. (laughs) Yeah, those are brunettes. No, they're like black hair. So now Proton's going to know. The Swiss. They're a non-EU member. Yeah, they they're not, a, they're not a full uh, EU protect, member. They protect the money of uh, uh, mafia people and uh, investment bankers. So, do you ever see Wolf of Wall Street? Yeah. Remember the scene where they go to Switzerland to, to have his offshore account, and he's like this eccentric, the gay Swedish scene? guy. It might be. I don't remember. And he then, like gets shit faced and he crashes a helicopter. No, that's in the that's the opening scene of the movie. Oh, okay. <laughs> He's like high on quaaludes. And he cra- He almost crashes a helicopter in his backyard. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, this is where he's like on the yacht and they come back on the yacht and the the, the yacht gets like wrecked in the in, at sea because they're like have really bad weather in the middle of the ocean, but he has this Swedish contact that works at a bank in Sweden or Switzerland, sorry, Swiss contact. And he's talking about how great he is and how great the Swiss are. And then at some point in the movie, like later, cause it's like a three hour movie. It's, it's really long, but at the end of the movie, they send the feds out to Switzerland and they like grill him. And then he ends up like giving up. He basically is the guy that fucks him over and gives them up to the feds. The Swiss guy. Yeah. He's like some eccentric, just overly charming Swiss guy with a German accent. The thing I liked about that movie was the midgets and the Velcro suits that they would heave at the target. Oh, yeah, they have, like, uh, office challenge or whatever. Yeah, some ridiculous office party. Yeah. And they bring, like, prostitutes in there, and, like, they they all take turns fucking her. That movie was great. (laughs) (laughs) They had the orgy on the airplane going out to his, like, his wedding. 
<laughs> oh my god, I need to watch that again because it's I don't such a great movie. It's like apparently a lot of it was true too. The guy was just a total <laughs> degenerate. It's like he's like people riding in the fucking uh, seats on the airplane, and there's just like prostitutes like banging them. <laughs> It keeps talking about penicillin and how great penicillin is so that they don't spread STDs. <laughs> I think that's a good spot to end. All right. Bringyourwallet.com slash contact for feedback and suggestions. Bringyourwallet.com slash donate to support the show and share the show. See you next week. Sayonara. Shit, how do I stop it? <laughs>